You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Just had a, a sense this morning, um, some of you feel like a, a, a degree of almost been a bit unclean in this room, just like sinful for want of a better word. And I think... Um, I'm just so aware Jesus spent time with sinners and he came for the sick. The, the, the well don't need a doctor, it's the sick that need a doctor. And uh, what a wonderful thing to be in the presence of God among the grace of God, knowing the freedom that we have to access him. So if, if you feel a degree of separation or a, or a barrier this morning, well, welcome to the right place and the right space. I found myself again just Give my life to Jesus all over again this morning. What a wonderful thing it is to surrender all that we are to all that he is. Why don't we just pray, Lord? I just pray for for all of us, actually, that we would acknowledge as, I think it's, is it 1 John, where it says that we're kind of kidding ourselves, we're fooling ourselves if we think we don't have sin in our lives. And so we surrender afresh to you. We surrender our lives, we surrender our idols, we surrender the, the blockages and the barriers, and we thank you for your grace and your goodness and your kindness. Thank you for your son, Jesus, that died that we might have life because of him, not because of us. Lord, we acknowledge our desperation and our need of you and our love of you and our longing to have a right relationship with you. So I pray that you'd put a freedom on us this morning. Thank you that we are welcomed into your presence. And bless us this morning, Lord. Would you speak to each of us? Would you minister to our hearts? And would you free us to become more like you? Amen. You know, last, last week I rounded off a series that went on for quite a while um, around, called It Takes a Village. I just, if there was one that you maybe missed that I want to encourage you to go back on, it was week six um, that was talking about discipline. I think that is a huge thing for us in our culture. It's a huge thing for us as we relate to each other. It's a huge thing for us as we understand our relationship with God. It's a huge thing for us as we parent children and as we uh, live amongst each other as spiritual sons and daughters and, and mothers and fathers. But the joy of kind of rounding off that series gives us a bit of a two-week window before we go into this uh, summer period where we change some things. And I think it just gives us a bit of space to speak into a few things. I've got to say, um, it's not going to be a soft landing, particularly next week. I want to speak about some stuff around just being on a war footing. Actually, that we, we live in a time and a season where we've got to understand what it is to do warfare um, collectively as a church. So it's not going to be a soft landing. But today I just want to speak into something else where I, I just believe that we grow in strength by waiting. But I don't know whether this is just me, but I don't think it is. We become so accustomed to not waiting do you find that just in the natural things of life? Like you have to wait for another checkout to open because there's free people in front of you. And uh, that somehow just seems to tip some people over the edge. I've seen people get highly irritated and quite irate. You're like waiting for a next day delivery 
you know, sometimes like we just need, I need it today, not tomorrow. And um, I, I, you've probably had the same, but you, you phone various people like the doctor and it's press one, press five, press six, press two, go back to how, you don't, you don't even know what you're doing, but you're like, I just, I just want to, no, I don't want to press seven to listen to jazz music while I wait because actually I don't want to wait. What is this thing? And then fast food that is, if you have to wait two minutes, it's like, hold on, I thought this was fast food. Where's my, where's my food? And the, the only thing I actually celebrate having to wait for is currently I think the pandemic has just caused this huge backlog with dentist appointments. And I'm like, I will wait as long as you need for that. Although I'm probably just delaying the inevitable. But waiting, it's just, it's not our thing, is it? I, I, maybe it's just me, but I... We at home have such slow internet. Honestly, it's painful. I've literally done everything under the sun to try and speed it up to, and to change it. I'm not even joking. I've even written to my MP about it. Uh, he was less bothered than I am, but he did acknowledge my pain. Um, such is my ability to harp on about the internet. Some of you will have been bored to death with this, but our kids cheer when they see the open reach van in the local area or come anywhere near our house because they're expecting that we're about to have a mega change. But um, have, you, have you driven behind someone? This happens virtually every Sunday. You're driving behind someone, they're doing like 26 in a 30. And you're like, you could at least do 30. Like, really? 20, 26? Or, or they slow down for every speed bump. Have you found that? I'm like, speed bumps don't know. Well, anyway, there's not too much going to that. Or they're those people that actually drive at five miles an hour when you see a five mile an hour sign. You, do you know how slow five mile? I could walk faster than that. But I, I, I love that some people actually really think about this stuff. I thought about it a little bit, but not to this degree, because there's some research that shows that motorists in the UK spend the equivalent of two days a year sat at red traffic lights. So on average, they lose eight minutes a day waiting for it to go green, with nearly a fifth of people stuck for 15 minutes, which is like, man, alive. Now, the number of lights on British roads has jumped by 23% in the last three years. It's gone up to 33,800. Again, it shows, research again shows that some drivers have got so fed up with that that they just jump the light. So on average, and I think we could potentially reduce the average slightly in this room because you're obviously hopefully law-abiding citizens in some way, but it would still mean 50% of you are actually amber gamblers. Is that, is that you? I can see some faces where I'm like, oh, I think that might be you. Now, being late or not realising the colours have changed is the two major reasons that people give. Now, being late for jumping the lights, that's one excuse, but because the colour, not realising the colours have changed, I'm like, Really? Is that, is that an excuse? 4.5% of the UK population is colorblind. So that, that surely reduces the statistic of how many people can use that as an excuse. But even so, if you're colorblind, surely you know which color it's gonna be. But the average time per year spent, in, spent waiting at the traffic lights is 48 hours, which is two days worth of time. Worryingly, one in five, sorry, one in 15 motorists who deliberately race through a red light either had a prang or hit a pedestrian, which is pretty serious. Almost a fifth of people who risk going through a red light have been caught, so you're definitely playing with fire. One in 10 are stopped by the police and most are captured by CCTV. How many of you look out for the police before you jump the light? 
you've got to watch out for CCTV. No, that's, don't do that. But anyway, whilst more than half of drivers insisted they would race through a red light, we've got to have a confession session over that one. Half of drivers, that's half of us in this room. But statistically, surely half of you wouldn't go anywhere near it. A fifth of you admitted that it was frustrating to be hit by a sequence of red lights on a daily basis. Not only do we not wait well at red lights, I think we just struggle with waiting, don't we? Surely we do. Guess what the top four things people do whilst they're waiting at red lights? The first one is they adjust the car radio. I'm like, that's, that's fair enough. Second one is adjust the aircon. That's probably pretty relevant at the minute. The third one is grab a snack. Surely most of us dip into that. Right? The fourth one, I don't want you to say what it is because it's awkward, but it's picking your nose. A quarter of people, some people are nodding like that is, that is you. The study has found that London has the most traffic lights in Britain, 6,297 sets, followed by Blackpool, just when we think we are not nose pickers. Guess where has the third amount of traffic lights in the UK? 2,292 is Manchester. I am sure many of you have opened a parcel on the way home because you couldn't wait till we got home to open it. It's often said that the British can queue. I think that is a slight myth. Surely we hate queuing. I, I don't know whether that is even a thing, but again, research shows that the average British person, how on earth they work this out, I have no idea, but is willing to stand in line for 10 minutes and 42 seconds before their tempers fray. The top three most loathed lines that we have is the supermarket, the post office, and airport check-in. Those over the age of 55, that divides us slightly, doesn't it? Become restless three minutes quicker than others. And before that younger generation that just had a sneaky little laugh, think they've got away with it, those under the age of 35 are more likely to take their frustration out on those around them. Haven't we seen that happen, particularly in those few free queues? Anyway, one in five people shop at night to avoid queuing in the first place. And as I started to run out of things to talk about waiting, I did remember our kids find it frustrating to wait for the jelly to set. Apparently, the average jelly takes three to four hours to set in a five-degree fridge. So, of course, you either reduce the size of the mould or you increase the consistency of the jelly and less water, or you put it in the freezer to speed it up. How many have done that? Well, most of us have surely done that because we don't wait, do we? We just don't like waiting. And our desire not to wait leans into our relationship with each other and our relationship with Jesus and our discipleship and our transformation. Finally, we got somewhere near a biblical reason for talking about waiting. But Galatians 5.22 says this, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. A fruit of the Spirit is patience. Isaiah 40, 28, have you not heard? Have you never understood that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the earth? He never grows weary or weak. No one can compare to the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even the youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Many versions of the Bible kind of interswitch weight and trust. 
I think it's amazing the difference and the, the, the similarity between waiting on the Lord to renew their strength and trusting in the Lord to renew our strength. We become so accustomed with leaning on our own abilities and our own understanding to provide our own resource and to sustain us, don't we? But the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the earth. There's this stunning meditation in that passage about the greatness of God, his ability to provide and renew his weak and weary and dejected people. And in the context of this passage, God has already told those guys some things. It says in verse 28, have you not heard? Have you never understood? He's reminding them of things that he's already said to them. Just as our faith comes initially by hearing, it's strengthened and nourished by hearing again. And God's chosen people throughout history, Jacob and Israel, they've been tempted to think that their sufferings somehow were hidden from God. And I think we can so quickly and so easily fall into the same thinking. Have you ever read the parable of the, the persistent widow? It says this in Luke 18, verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, and he said who neither feared God nor cared about people, a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. And the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? He will, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant them justice quickly. If a godless judge responds to the constant pressure, how much more so will a great and loving God respond to us when we ask him? If we know that he loves us, we can know that he hears and answers the cry of our hearts and our cry for help. Ultimately, God will see that they will get justice. That's what happened in the context of that passage. In the meantime, God has promised, God has promised to give strength to his weak and weary people as they endure suffering in the process of becoming more like him and in the process of the gospel advancing in the world. The Lord, the creator of the earth never grows weary for an instant. Phenomenal thing to dwell on. He's the everlasting God. He perfectly understands the needs of his people and of the hour, and he gives strength to the weary, and he provides strength to the powerless in every moment. You know, we need, I would say, I know this for myself, we need constant and continually to be strengthened. I think there's two key things that happen to strengthen us. One is waiting and one is realizing. Actually, we wait on the Lord, but also we realize how powerful he is as we wait on him. And that in itself renews our strengths. The words in this chapter remind us of the incomprehensible, majestic God leaning his mind and his might towards us. Have you ever thought about that? The Lord of heaven and earth who created it leans his mind and his might towards us. And as we hear him speak, we find our hearts strengthened in amazing ways and we can resume our journey 
of living out and living for his glory because we learn to soar on the winds of eagles and we run and we don't grow weary and we walk and we don't faint. Soaring, many of you will know, is, is it's like a style of flying where they, they hold their wings but they barely or rarely flap. They save considerable energy because instead of flapping, they're just relying on the air current to gain altitude. It's what many of you will have know and be familiar with Steve Nicholson, but he says it's the difference between rowing and sailing. I think it's such a powerful image of our relationship with God. How much time do we spend rowing when actually we're supposed to be sailing? We've got to learn to sail. And so we've got to try, and often in our culture and in our minds, what we try and do is we just constantly fill the silence. We try and fill it with something. We try and fill our time with constant interactions. I've always got to be with someone. I've always got to be doing something. In the midst of extraordinary, busy ministry and life, Jesus constantly made this habit of withdrawing to renew his strength. He waited on his father. It says this, Matthew 14, verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area alone. The crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd and he stepped back from the boat and he had compassion on them as he healed their sick. The news that Jesus has just heard when it says he heard some news was that John the Baptist had just been beheaded. Now, some of you will be thinking you literally do not have capacity to steal away for a few moments. I love what Jesus did. And how he handled this one. In his moment of significant grief, he pulls back. What I also love is he doesn't stay back. He momentarily pulls back. Jesus didn't dwell on his grief, but he returned to ministry. Sometimes I think we can almost take margin to be what I would call reverse margin. You know, one of the best things for me to do is to step back and step back from everything. To lay it all down for a season. Honestly, I I actually don't think that is the best thing to do. We need community and we need each other. But we take it to Jesus in the way that he took it to the Father. Steph and I, um, we were partway through doing many years ago an internship with a local church. um, And this was like 16 years ago. And partway through that year, then we got married. One of the best things I would say we could do in that early stage of our life, an early stage of our marriage was give everything we'd got to the local church and to be in and around people who would disciple us and before us and cheer us on and speak into our lives. It's so important that we don't just fully withdraw in any season of our lives. Jesus felt and had significant grief. He momentarily withdrew, then he steps back in to ministry. We take time to withdraw to be with the Father, but we don't just withdraw. There's a significant difference there, Luke 5, 15. But despite Jesus' instructions, the, respo- the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him and preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness of prayer. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Was that, was that religious was that like some in uninterruptible thing? Was that a time that you just couldn't approach him or be anywhere near him? I, I don't think it was. 
Matthew 14, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot and many, from many towns. Jesus saw the crowd as he stepped from the boat. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. When he saw the crowd, he's withdrawn, but when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. He had the headspace and he had the grace to have compassion and to keep ministering because he regularly spent time with his father renewing his strength. I, I want to encourage you to find, to find a similar way of finding a way to renew your strength. It's, it's kind of like a breathe in, breathe out thing. You can't just inhale, but you can't just exhale. It can't just be stuff for me, but also it can't just be stuff for other people. If you, if you only ever receive it's going to go wonky because it's not all about us. We're supposed to give something away of what we've got, but we can't give something away until we've actually got something to give. Waiting on the Lord does many things. Let me just, let me just name a few things that I think it does. Firstly, it'll help you with your decision-making. Luke 6, verse 12. One day, as soon as Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, he prayed all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and he chose 12 of them to be his apostles. Jesus is making a big decision. He didn't just jump in with his thinking. He waited on the Father. He spent all night in prayer, and then the next day, he was ready to make a wise decision. I remember a time where we were um, living down south, and we felt the promptings and the nudgings to move on, and we sought the counsel of, of numerous friends and family and people around us, and we asked others to speak into it. You know, what's their take? What's their thinking? What do they sense the Lord is saying? Not just what do we think. Uh, we have blind spots and we have blind sides, and often we can become quite focused on the thing we think, but what do others see? What do they think? And they can offer this wider life perspective and we kind of gathered the thoughts and the reflections of a number of people and we went away on holiday for a week we hadn't made a decision but we just wanted to create time and space to rest in the peace of god and allow him to direct our decision making and from that place and with that perspective i think we make clearer and wiser decisions i think that's what jesus did he withdrew he spends a night praying allowing the father to speak and then from that place he's not making rush decision. So it helps you with your decision making. The second thing is it refreshes you and it strengthens you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give is like we find refreshing and we find encouragement encouragement in him as we wait the third thing i think is this we need to move from self-reliance to grace reliance so much of the rush that we have in our culture is self-reliance actually we want to be people that have a grace reliance psalm 4 verse 8 in peace i will lie down and sleep for you alone O lord keep me safe our trust and our faith is in him and him alone. John 6, 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I offer so that the world may live, is my flesh. It's him and him alone. So how do we, how do we wait on God? What does that actually look like? When, when you pray, how often do you actually listen? 
or is it just a narrative that is us rather than him? A, a large part of listening is actually waiting. I often chat with others and, and, and see what they think, and I take and receive counsel, but it's sometimes you've just got to wait on the Lord. I've, I think there's a, there's a thing that I often see. It's, like, um, it's almost like Bible bingo. Have you ever done that? Like, oh, I just need the Lord to speak. I'm just going to wait on my Bible and see what he says. You can get some random stuff when you do that, but it's, it's like I just need God to speak. So if I flick it open, he, he's, he's going to speak. Actually, personally, I think uh, a slower, more methodical approach we just rest in the Lord. He speaks to us through the nudgings and the promptings of his, in our spirit as we methodically spend time in his word. I'm amazed how the Bible speaks so clearly and so powerfully as we spend time in, in his word. And actually sometimes words literally leap off the page because God has given us such profound revelation. He's spoken so clearly and yet so often that becomes the thing at the bottom rather than the top of our to-do list. And as we learn to wait on him, we renew our strength. Sometimes that may be, for a season you're in, just pouring over some of the Psalms. Sometimes when you're in a place of heartache and burden, or even delight and joy, just pouring into the Psalms. Sometimes it's just placing yourself in an environment of consistent and regular worship. Sometimes it's not actually worrying about what you don't know, but actually cracking on with what you do know. It's the things that we already know, let's just do them. That is a, that's a response to waiting on the Lord, that we feed the poor. We don't wait for a thunderbolt from heaven when we've already got such clear marching orders as to how to live. And so often you see people who are worried and burdened and stretched, and the first response is, I'm just going to go and meet with someone for a coffee. Or I'm just going to go and chat it through with this person. I'm going to go shopping and take my mind off it. And I'm not saying any of those things are always wrong or bad, but sometimes would we just wait on the Lord? Would our first response and our default response be, I'm going to bring this before him? I've prayed, you know, sometimes like I've prayed about it and this broken relationship hasn't gone away. And so is there even a God? I'm like, but have you gone and spent time waiting on the Lord? I don't want to tell someone else my problem until I've told him my problem. And we really need, what we really need to do is, is learn this response that is just waiting to renew our strength. And it's okay to wait. And it's okay to wait quite a while. We, and it's, 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 it's fine to do that. I guess what I encourage is, is wait on the Lord. Don't wait on everything else that is ready to grab your time and attention because God isn't rushed. I think we see that truth so often in the Bible. So often God actually had people wait and he had them wait quite a long time. Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, he's 75 years old when God promises him a child. And here's what we read in Genesis 12, verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring I will give you this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. But God didn't immediately give him a son. Instead, he made Abraham wait 25 more years before he fulfilled the promise. God had made the children of Israel wait 400 years in slavery before he took them into the promised land and the nation of Israel had to wait thousands of years before the Messiah, Jesus, would come. 
but we hate to wait. I don't think that's just me. We're not waiting people, are we? I, that's why I, I would consider getting a new fridge to get the jelly to set quicker because we're just not wait people, are we? But what's the, what's, the, what's the scenario that is right now in your life and your situation? Waiting is so hard. We just need the thing that we think needs fixing, fixing. Dallas Willard once said, unless we make our formation in Jesus a priority, then we're just going to keep producing Christians that are indistinguishable in their character from many non-Christians. There should be something about our character that is, that is modeling, that is leaking out this concept of waiting because that's where we find our strength. But who loves to wait? But what is so fascinating is waiting causes us to grow. And so therefore God will often have us wait because that's the thing that will cause us to find our strength. So what do you find yourself waiting for? A job, a house, a relationship, money? What's the thing that you're waiting for? It's not that he's not interested in those things. But have you, have you ever found that the things we list off aren't actually always the things that he would list off or that he would call us towards? The things he tells us to wait for is to wait on him, to wait on the Lord, I think during those waiting times, <clears throat> the Spirit of God asks us questions. He asks you and me questions that we can hear if we slow down and we listen to that still, small, quiet voice that speaks to our hearts. And there are questions that we wouldn't hear unless actually we were forced to wait and dwell in his presence. Will you continually accuse me of not caring about someone you love? If we slow down and wait, Surely we would get a different response to that. Will you continually doubt that I'm good or that I intend good for you? If we slow down and wait again, surely our response to that would be different. Will you continually accuse me of not assisting or of being deaf or far away or preoccupied from you and your needs? Surely again, if we wait, we would get a different response. Will you accuse me of just playing games with you or promising but never delivering? Will you accuse me of not knowing how to run the universe or how to run your corner of the world and believe that you could do a better job for me? Often in our rush, we might not say it that way, but that often is the way. But during waiting, I believe the fundamental question that God is asking of us over and over and over again is, do you trust me? Do you trust me enough to lean and to wait on me? I love that interchangeable language between wait and trust. Waiting is trusting and trusting is waiting. Those who wait or those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Many versions say those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. I love how sometimes you can find it. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. During those times of waiting, I think God is just simply, constantly, continually asking us, will you trust me? And will you trust me with everything? With people you love, but also with people you can't stand. With situations that are comfortable, but also with situations that are uncomfortable, with things that you can control, but also with things that are completely outside of your control. During times of waiting, God asks us that very simple question, will you trust me with everything? 
Will you trust me with everyone? Will you trust me with every moment, past, present, and future in every circumstance, and everything that happens and anything that could happen or might happen? Will you trust me? Now, for some of us, I think that even that mindset is quite hard. I would say I'm a doer. I, I do stuff. I, um, eldest daughter Sophie said to me recently, she's like, we're doers, aren't we, Dad? And I was like, yeah, we are. We do stuff. Like we see a problem, we try and fix the problem. We don't just talk about it. We want to get on with it. And I'm pretty instant. If something needs to be done, I'd, I'd go and do it. I just One example of that would be Steph and I, we used to live in this one-bedroom house. 8 p.m. at night, we decide we need to paint the house. 6 a.m. the next morning, we've painted the house. We just did it, the whole thing there and then. It was only a one-bedroom house, but we're like, let's get on with this thing. If we're going to do it, let's get it done. And it's, it's funny, though, that I found particularly recently that God often speaks to me and quite clearly in the car. And as I've pondered that, why is that? It's because it's often a place and a space that I'm not driving at 26, I'm driving at 30, but it just my mind slows down. I haven't got other distractions going on. And as I look back at stuff and the bigger stuff in my life, where we've waited for God to speak or for God to act before we've done any of them, it's been so powerful and so profound. And as a church, if our future is going to be as blessed as our past then we need to continue to, more than ever, commit to God and to wait on him. And my encouragement would be, don't try and make stuff happen on your own because you think you can or because you think you're smart or because you think you've got some skill or some gifting. We want to be people that wait on the Lord. Now, let's be honest, my waiting will not be your waiting the way I wait will not be the way you wait, but we just want to make sure that we're waiting. We won't wait in the same ways, and I'm not trying to force on you or leverage onto you my perspective, but I think we need to be people that learn to wait and even learn to understand what it is to wait. Have you read Luke 11 where Jesus talks about prayer? He says this, verse 5, then teaching them more about prayer, use this story. Suppose you go to a friend's house at night wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for night and my family and I are all in bed and I can't help you. But I tell you this, though we won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. We could spend a whole week looking at this. But I just want to highlight one phrase that grabs me. It's verse 8. Shameless persistence. One incredible phrase. Jesus is teaching about prayer, but more broadly, as we learn to wait on God, I, I want to encourage us to understand what it is to have shameless persistence. Do you know what shameless persistence is? I don't know if you've ever sat on a beach and someone's trying to sell you something, and they just do not take no for an answer, do they? To the point where you're actually nearly ready to buy the thing just to get rid of them and have some peace and quiet. But you know what I found? It's the same person the next day 
will do exactly the same thing, even if you've bought the jolly thing. They just will not go away. Same guy selling the same thing, like you need another umbrella. It's like, I've already got it, mate. But in a way, I'm like, what is, what is shameless persistence? We've got to understand it. It's brazen, unashamed perseverance and resolve. What is it to wait on God with shameless persistence? Do you spend time leaning in to hear his voice and to be strengthened in his love with shameless persistence? It does something to our hearts and minds. Waiting is no bad thing. We're taught so much in times of waiting. We've had times and seasons of waiting for stuff. We've had times and seasons where the waiting felt like it may never happen. We've had times and seasons where it did never happen. But surely we still want to wait and wait only on him. In Hebrews 11, there's this group of heroes of the faith. Many of you will be familiar with it, but they saw some phenomenal stuff. It was by faith that Noah builds the huge boat and saves his family and many people from a flood. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when he called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him for his inheritance. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child even though she was barren and old. The list goes on and on and on. Waiting isn't, though, always getting. Waiting is trusting regardless, and it is waiting on him and him alone, emptying ourselves of our desires and our thinking. Hebrews 11.13 kind of puts it like this. It says, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance, and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they'd not longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. This is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has provided a city for them. How did they do it? Verse 26. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead for a great reward. Verse 27, he kept right on because his eyes were fixed on the one who was invisible. They waited on the Lord. We wait on the Lord with our eyes fixed on him. Waiting is really just trusting. You may never see what you're longing for, but will you keep waiting and waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is how and where you will renew your strength. 2 Corinthians 3, 8, so all of us who have had this veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. The Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into... Just gonna wait. There we go, all right. Into his glorious image. That's a, it's a daily thing. It's a daily job. How have I changed? How am I changing? Am I who I was last year? Am I who I was yesterday? How am I waiting and reflecting to understand how I might change or could be changed? And am I therefore growing in strength? Am I expectant to grow in strength? Because those of us that wait on the Lord will see those things. We will renew and grow our strength and renew our trust in the Lord. Why don't we stand together and let's wait on him. Let's just, let's just take a moment, open ourselves to the Spirit of God.
Lord, we wait on you. We wait on you. Just even in this moment, just put before him the thing that maybe you wouldn't wait for because you just need a solution. Lord, we wait. Come, Holy Spirit. I just sense the Lord is stirring a number of things in a number of you that you're going to want to respond to the Lord with and ask him to strengthen you and encourage you over. I'd encourage you not to neglect that moment to do that. I think a number of you are in places and situations that are slightly beyond your ability to control and I just want to encourage you in that 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 is a good thing because you have an increased opportunity to wait on the Lord some of you have, I just feel like there is um, it's like a it's quite a tangible sense of the strengthening of God today uh physically, emotionally and spiritually it's like just kind of you've got to plug in to what the Father wants to do let him, let him do something there today, some of you just, you just know that's it's almost like a, an ache and a yearn and a quickening in your spirit now for that I just encourage you to sit in it I think um, there's somebody here as well it's like a, deep in your uh, right ear canal there's a 
problem. I don't know what that is, or if it's like a, it affects a deafness or a, um, a, a, a dizziness, or it's just affecting even your balance. I think that the Lord wants to just realign that this morning. talking when he prayed he just made some space and said he sensed there was some blockages for people and some guilt and uh, there was definitely something that happened in the room there and for some people that won't have resonated but for some of you there was a response to that it was like yes there is a blockage and I just want to encourage you like, bring it before him and as I was praying about that, um, this verse came to mind. It's a verse in Matthew. And it's Jesus quoting Isaiah, talking about himself. This is of Jesus. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. Till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. And I just want to say this morning, if you feel guilty, if you feel far from Jesus, if there's something that you are grappling with, a bruised reed he will not break. Mm. And a smouldering wick he will not stick out. You are so safe to bring yourself before Jesus. He's leaning in. Just welcome you, Holy Spirit. Mm. That's, mm. In a moment, it's just respond. I think some of you are weary. I think some of you will really resonate with the rowing or sailing. It's just you've just been rowing. It's almost it is wearying to do it in your own strength. Come and find that you might do it in His. Let's just while some of us are stood, let's just make the opportunity and the space to respond. If you'd like someone to join me you and pray with you this morning, why don't you just come to the front or the sides, and some people in small group will. Join you and pray for you. Mm. As ever, it's not a it's not a spectator sport. We want to be participants in what God is doing. God, we welcome you, Lord. I think I think some of you as well. That some can almost in our heads be a quieter time. For some of you, I think this is actually there's an increase in what you're doing, and it changes the rhythm. But just because the pressure is different doesn't mean it comes off. I think some of you just you need a refreshing for what is ahead of you. Just as some people respond and others join them and pray with them, there's such an awareness of the presence of God in the room. I just say, don't, don't step out of what he's doing among you. We learn to wait, and some of us will want to just be quite sensitive to that and maybe step in alongside some people, pray with them, encourage them.
seek to join them as the father ministers to them. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.